Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Rear long is 56. I remind you, though, he has had that issue on his plant leg. This would match his longest ever. And if he hits this one in the rain with a bad plant leg, it would be one amazing night. From 56. On its way. It is off the goal post. No good. You can hear the doink. You have been in every big game situation imaginable. Yeah. But not like this. Yep. And so what were you experiencing out here tonight? I was just trying to keep my poise. You know, I showed up to the stadium and, um, you know, I knew kind of what we were going to be dealing with. And we're dealing with a really good football team. Obviously, they were really well prepared. I thought they made a lot of good plays. You know, we had a few too many penalties that really held us back. And again, pretty not our best in the red area, but um, good to get a win on the road. We had a tough one on the road last week, which was, uh, you know, tough game, but good to rebound and get a, get a win up here in Foxborough. The headline for the game is not that Tom Brady continues to be the best quarterback of all time when playing after a regular season loss. That's not nearly the headline. The headline is Brady goes back to New England, gets the victory 19-17. to He's Mike Golick. I'm Mike Florio. It's Mike along with Mike, week four edition. <laughs> Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. What a way to end. You know, it was while I thought there was going to be better games during the day and I thought the whole thing last night was going to be, oh, my gosh, how was, how was Tom going to be received before the game, during the game? What were he and Bill going to say after the game? Turned out to be a pretty darn good game, one that the, the Patriots had. Now would have been a long field goal that hit the upright. But still, that turned out to be, in the rain, a pretty decent game. I, again, people will say maybe not because it wasn't high scoring, but as a former defensive player, I kind of dig it. You know, there's been a lot of games this year where it feels like, based on the first half, it's just kind of plodding, it's kind of slow, there's not much scoring, but then it gets very compelling in the second half. And that's kind of what... Last night's game did at at halftime. 
Like, yeah, you know, we would have liked a little more scoring. It didn't have to be 24-21 at the half, but it just felt like it took a while to get going. But get going it did. And let's start at the end and work backward because there's so many different things we can talk about that will be discussed elsewhere, whether we write about them at PFT. We'll talk about them over the course of the next two hours. The Brady and Belichick back and forth, a very awkward hug at midfield that resulted in a 20-minute meeting in the locker room where I assume that it was probably a few awkward moments, but through 20 minutes – I mean, let's let's address that before we move on. 20 minutes together after being out there for three hours, that probably gives them a chance to get some kind of closure so they both can move on with their lives. Well, well, I, I think it does, considering the report before where, you know, as we had – everybody had been talking about that Bill wanted to do the exit uh, when he left uh, New England by phone and not in person and, you know, and, and going through all that, what was the relationship like and – I was when when we all saw the hug at the end. We, there was part of me that said, "Man, I wish there was a little bit more than that." And then there was part of me that said, "Well, that's kind of, that's kind of Bill Belichick, you know, kind of the quick hug as players and former coaches at New England were lining up um, to to hug and say something to Tom Brady, which was very very cool." But I'm really glad they met after that. I mean, this was this is a 20 year relationship that, and I'll be honest, in sports it doesn't always end amicably. You know, you, you, you want it to, you want to say, my God, these guys had so much success. How can there be anything bad between them? Well, in real life, you know, it kind of doesn't work that way. Sometimes things can happen that, that draw, you know, that, that get that gap going wider and wider over the years until there has to be a decision made. So it doesn't end the way you want. Everybody wanted the picture book perfect ending with this, and, and it really wasn't. Though they have all the hardware, uh, Bill's going to go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time, and Tom's going to go down if, as the greatest player, if not one of the greatest, the greatest player of all time. But I am glad they at least did have that meeting. It was probably better to be one-on-one than in front of all the cameras and everything because I don't mind some things being private. You know, I I know I'm in the media business now, but everything doesn't have to be in front of the camera. Everything doesn't have to be, well, if you didn't say it on Twitter, you didn't really say it. You know, you can can be one-on-one with somebody in a a room somewhere without cameras and and have a nice conversation, And, and I hope it was. What made their very brief interaction at midfield more awkward was the fact that Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady embraced much more warmly and for much longer immediately after that. So, But that's classic Belichick. He'll do his talking away from the cameras, away from the microphones, and he'll tell you what he thinks. You may not like what he tells you, but he'll tell you what he thinks. Here's Here's what I think about the end of the game. Because it all kind of happened so quick, Mike. After the field goal hit the upright and fell, I remember sitting thinking, is that it? Wait, that's it. That's basically it. (laughs) It's a couple of knees in the game. Like, there needs to be something else. But fourth and three from the the, uh, Tampa Bay 37, 59 seconds left, 56-yard field goal. You heard Chris Collinsworth at the top of the show. There was some issue with the plant leg on Nick Folk. It would have tied a career right. long. It was raining as hard at that moment as it had been raining all night. I mean, first of all, it's not an easy kick. And second of all, you're doing what – I mean, this is deja vu all over again for us. We, we'd have been talking about giving Tom Brady too much time to drive down the field to get the game-winning field goal. We saw Aaron Rodgers do it with 37 seconds last week. 
Brady would have had more than 50 seconds. I, I don't, I, I, it's, and look, hindsight's always 20 20. That's why it's so damn right. effective. But I don't know why you don't go for it fourth and three just to take more time off the clock, make the field goal closer, and minimize the opportunity that Brady's going to have to drive down the field and, and take your heart out like we saw Rodgers do to the 49ers seven, uh, eight days ago. Yeah, listen, and, and Mike, that's what's going on on the sideline. All those calculations, you know, what's you, you kind of they, they you throw it all into a hopper, you know, and you have to make a decision somewhat quick. You know, you can't sit down and have a smoke and a pancake over it, you know, and try and decide. You got to decide. <laughs> so you know, you know, so so I, I get what I get what you're saying. It is one of those where if it works, you say great job, and especially if Brady doesn't bring it back, and if it doesn't work, then. You start to question coaching moves and moves like that that said, you know, do exactly what you said. Don't leave them time. Make the field goal a little closer because it does tie along and it is in the rain. You're hoping for a little extra juice from the kicker at that point because of the moment to get a little more on the ball. But he had the distance. You know, it just it just hooked left a little bit. I get what you're saying, you know, but at the end of the day, it is one of those hindsight being 2020 on that, you know, to try to possibly try something different. The smoke and a pancake. First of all, I've never heard that before, and I'm going to use it all the time now. Second of all, it takes me back. We grew up in the same time frame, and my experience was on the rare occasions when we went out to eat, because when you're as low middle class as you can be, you don't go out to eat very often. But when you do go out to eat, when the consumption of the food is over and the kids are ready to go, we can't go because the grownups must smoke their cigarette. So they have the pancake, then exactly the smoke, right. but still the whole. But but it, <laughs> everything was delayed. Yeah, you gotta want. You know, I got a business to run there. They're trying to clear out the tables and put more folks down, but you got to build in the extra fifteen minutes because after everybody finishes their meal, they gotta pop open a cigarette pack and and smoke one before they leave. That was mandatory. Take a take a breath, and everybody suck in that nicotine. Right, that's what everybody <laughs> had to do. <laughs> uh. All right. Um, let, let, let's. Uh, so what? What? And I understand it's not perfect. You got to make the decision right, right then and there. You got forty seconds between plays. I assume Bill Belichick thinks everything through ahead of time. I, I don't know what his plan was there. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he had some sort of a master plan. Obviously, they didn't win the game, but. I don't know. Did he not want to put too much pressure on Mac Jones on fourth and three? Mac Jones was moving the ball well. Isn't that a way to 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 elevate his standing and give him more confidence if he converts that fourth and three? Well, you know, like I said, I, you're right about Bill. Bill always has a plan and is ready and, and thinks things out. At least that's certainly what we've known of him as, as all the hardware that he has on his ring can help prove it. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. And, and God knows if we'll ever get it out of him. you know, the, the actual truth about it, because nope. your point is a good point. I thought, I thought Mac Jones played well. Mac Jones stands in the pocket almost to a fault. I mean, he may have to learn to step up sooner or, or move a little sooner. We always worry about rookie quarterbacks and them moving too quickly when they, when they feel a little pressure or sense a little pressure. Mac Jones, he stands in there. 
you know, to the two. Now, there were four sacks. Sometimes he stands in there too long. There were good pass rushes on the other side. Don't get me wrong. But I love his ability to stand in there and make the throws. There were a couple, and I know we'll talk about it, a few rookies, who, quarterbacks who played pretty well yesterday. But I, I do like the way Mac Jones is running that offense. I, I think it is a big positive for New England. And at the end there, whether, you know, uh, Bill wanted to put him in that situation, again, who knows? I, I think he felt his kicker could have made it. And quite honestly, Listen, a few inches over to the right for that ball, and we may have a different bounce in than we had with Justin Tucker the week before that hit the crossbar and bounced over. If it hits the inside of the upright, it bounces in. You know, we're talking, wow, you know, the Tom Brady comeback is spoiled by the rookie quarterback and the old master. You know, that's, that, when they say it's a game of inches, it truly can be a game of inches. If nothing else, we were not robbed because stuff happens on the football field, but we were deprived is the better word of the opportunity to see what Tom Brady would have done yeah. with 50 seconds left. That would have been the highest of drama for any regular season game we ever would have seen. That would have delivered. That's what I'm disappointed about. I wanted the kick to go through because I wanted to see Tom Brady have that opportunity. And maybe that's, maybe that's the easiest explanation. I'm a big fan believer in Occam's razor. Maybe Bill Belichick just wanted to match wits with Tom Brady with 50 seconds left. Let's go do it. Come on, let's kick this field goal and and it's you and me, Tommy. Let's go do this one last time. And and we all were think that went through his mind? For that to happen. I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be an explanation <laughs> for it. Like you said, all we're ever going to get for him or from him is a grunt like we did last night. Did you think about going forward? Okay, thanks. That's all we're ever going to get. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Occam's razor because I, I, I like that, and, and I think Bill thought his guy could make it. You know, I'm going to go that simple. And, again, he would have if it was a couple more inches to the right, but would have, could have, should have, you know, doesn't win you a football game. Mac Jones completed 19 straight passes, matching Tom Brady's longest completion streak of his career, and it was the longest completion streak for any rookie in 40 years. I don't know who it was because it's not like rookie quarterbacks played a lot in the 80s, but uh, whoever it right. was had 19 straight completions, so we're going to have to look that up at some point today. I, I, and I want to take it back even one step farther, Mike, because one of the reasons the Patriots had time is as the Buccaneers were driving for what ultimately became the game-winning field goal – Tom Brady had a notion that he was going to get Antonio Brown a touchdown. And I understand that the, the defensive back was cramping up. I understand that, that that's what you do. You target the guy. But throwing it to the end zone sure. twice. Now, the first one, I think Antonio Brown didn't see the ball. That was something that Alan Chris pointed out because I thought when that ball was thrown, that's a touchdown. The second yep. one, kind of a drop, kind of would have been a tough catch at the back of the end zone. But I, I, And Peter King and I talked about this on Friday. Antonio Brown had a very short stay with the Patriots, and the departure was extremely acrimonious. Tom Brady was against the decision to cut him. There was bad blood there, and I really feel like Tom Brady wanted to get him a touchdown. And I, I think that maybe he got a little greedy because if the Patriots had played it right, had milked the clock, had gone for it on fourth and three, not given Tom Brady any time, they would have walked off the winners. I, I, I felt like, hey, if you want to pick on the injured DB, get, get, him, get the first down and keep moving the clock and make it a walk-off game winner 
for the Bucks because they had enough time and they had the opportunity to milk it down and do it there. I really think that Tom was getting a little greedy because he, he really wanted to get that ball to Antonio Brown in the end zone. And again, something we may never know, but but I can't I can't sit there and say I don't agree with you because what one thing is is Tom is human. Everybody's human, and, and I'm going to bring that up again in a in a part of this game we're going to talk about. But we have seen Tom, you know, act if a, if a DB kind of shot his mouth off during the week, you know, Tom would kind of go after that guy in the game and then run and do some yelling. Tom was a guy who wanted Antonio Brown in Tampa Bay when everybody in the world wanted to go to, to Tampa Bay when Tom signed there. But Antonio Brown was kind of like, you know, was he, hey, that hot stove, don't touch him. Well, Tom vouched for him and wanted him there. And it certainly has worked out. So to sit there and say there aren't some personal things Everything is not a business. One thing I have learned through my years that it is a business that can become personal at times. And at times you have to be careful of how personal you make it because at the end it is a business, but it is human emotion. It's filled with human emotion. So yeah, I, I, there is part of me that could agree with you and say it, it ended horribly, obviously, with Antonio Brown in New England. And Tom wanted to say, look, I wanted this guy in Tampa Bay. It's worked out in Tampa Bay. And I'm going to show you just how much by getting him one when I come back to New England. So whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I, I could see the reasoning for that. Yeah, you guys finally get me a good weapon, and you run him off after one week. I, I, that, yeah. I, I uh, hey, but it worked out. The, the Buccaneers won. Tom Brady gets his victory and his return to Foxborough. Let's hear from him on his reception that he received and the emotions that he had to process throughout the week leading up to the game. When you ran out of the tunnel and you did your 100-yard run that you've done so many times, but you ended in the opposite end zone, what was going through your head? What was your first thought there? Well, I couldn't run through the normal tunnel, so um, yeah, it just happened to be the opposite way tonight. And uh, I was just fun, a lot of emotions, and it's a very, uh, very emotional week. Just again, these guys are like my brothers, you know what I mean? And I got to, you know, there's two groups of people, I, all of my Bucks teammates that I love and, and uh, I'm going to battle with every week. And then there's another group of guys that I see, and those are my friends that I've been with for a long time, Matt Slater. and. Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower and John and Devin and David Andrews and Hoyer and um, there's a whole crew Josh and it's just you know these are these are the people that I've shared my life with and uh, very grateful for everything that they've uh, kind of uh, contributed to my life. Very blessed. When when Tom Brady appeared on HBO's The Shop back in June, he admitted that 90% of the things he says publicly aren't true. I have a feeling that that falls into the 10%, Mike, but the 90% included him all week long saying, I haven't really thought about the emotion. I haven't really envisioned how things are going to go. As we got closer and closer to the game, it was clear. He had planned his emotions and how he would deal with them as meticulously as he plans everything else. He knew what he was going to deal with. He visualized it. He prepared himself. He compartmentalized. And even though he was throwing the ball a little high in the first half, for the most part, he wasn't affected by the emotion. No, and you know what? I was going to bring that up, and I'm glad you did. He, he was off in passing. You know, was that emotion? Was that the rain? It's not like he's never played in bad weather before, but he was off. He would he would through high more than a few times in this game. I was a little surprised at that to open receivers where he was just flat out missing them. So again, was it rain? Was it overthrow? Was it emotion? 
because I agree with you again. I do think that was in the 10%, and that was true. You could see the love and respect he and his teammates had for one another after that game when they would come up and talk to him. And so the, the, the thing that was and, – and in all honesty, I had no problem with the fans either, if we want to get to them at some point, cheering Tom like crazy when he came on the field in pregame, and then when he ran out for his first series, booing him. Because now – and even Tom said after the game, he said, listen – the end of the day, they're New England Patriot fans. You know, they wanted their team to win. So they cheered him when they should, I thought. And then when he came out for the first series, now he was a quarterback for the opposing team, so they booed him. I didn't have a problem with that at all. What I, what I kind of realized during the game a little bit was, and, and this has been said about Tom Brady, about like the actual play. Tom Brady has seen everything. Tom Brady has gone through everything. And he has. He has every defense you could imagine, just about every emotion you could imagine. Incredible highs in his career as well. He's been through everything except this. You know what he's never been through? Being on a team for 20 years, being maybe the greatest athlete ever coming out of there, doing things for a town that, that no one has done for that consistently for that long uh, in, this, in this era, and then leaving them and coming back. I mean, that, that, that's something he hasn't been through. I know other greats have over, the, over time, but Tom hadn't been through that. So the guy that has been through everything had never been through that. So to think there weren't going to be emotions involved, and like you said, him understand what they were going to be. I also heard her say, I know what everybody's going to be thinking for this one. You're, he is a calculating guy, and he does run it all through his mind. But this is something Tom Brady can say. It's factual. Never went through anything like this. Being so dominant, becoming the greatest ever in one place for two decades, leaving and then having to come back for that first time and play again. That had to be wild. And, and again, we're human. That can mess with your emotions a bit. And he had a long time to prepare for it, not just a week. I know as soon as he right. emerged as a guy who was going to be landing with Tampa Bay in March of 2020, I looked at the future schedule of the Buccaneers, and I saw it. There it was, 2021, at the Patriots. And I'm sure he had already seen that and thought about that. And it began the process of, I'm going to be going back there. And we'll see what happens, and I'm going to have to be ready for it, and I'm going to have to come out of there with a victory. And he ultimately did. He has now beaten every team, Mike, in the NFL, all 32 teams during the course of his career, and it was the 50th time he engineered a game-winning drive, and it, it came in the place where he really made his career, won his six Super Bowls. And, yeah, and, you know, as you were talking about how the reception he received from the teammates, I mean, he—, he he made a lot of people a lot of money and won them a lot of jewelry. And, and it was his contribution that was far more significant than the contributions of the people who were coming up to pay him his respects. Yeah, l listen, they, they definitely were. But as he continues to say, you do need a team. Because, listen, in his early Super Bowls, it was a defense, quite honestly, that was helping to lead that Patriot team. So every one of those Super Bowl wins, you know, wasn't a Tom Brady MVP. He ran the show. Listen, he was the greatest player of that time overall. I get it. But, you know, there were other parts of the – just even like last year. Do we, they win the Super Bowl of Tampa Bay's defense? 
doesn't do what it does late in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl as well. So he is the best player, I get it, but it is a sport where you do need others. You know, he has nothing to do with special teams, nothing to do with defense. So, again, I'm not saying he isn't the greatest player out there, but it is a sport where you definitely need others. And others recognize this is one thing I've always said and having been in the locker room as well. Everybody knows the pecking order as well of who, you know, who the, the, the high priority guys are and where you fall in that. So we all know he sits on the top of that throne. There's no doubt about it. I just love seeing it. I love seeing, you know, just just a couple of simple words, you know, because it is it is a sport where I think if you can end up, if you play a long time, if you end up with a few really good friends, you're lucky. For the most part, you have acquaintances, right? You're a teammate for a while. You're closer to some teammates than others. There's some teammates you'd never even think about hanging out with, and you don't. A locker room is a weird place with 53 on the active roster and more you know, on the practice squad and stuff. Not everybody gets along all the time. So if you can have those true friends after it's – and I mean true good friends, not you know acquaintances and then decent friends, but real friends. For the most part, your teammates and your acquaintances. But when you play that long together and especially have that much success, that a bond definitely grows. That there, there's no doubt about that. And it, it was very cool to see the reaction, you know, especially with his old offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. That was, I mean, they, they did have a special bond. But with the players, that was a very, very cool thing. I mean, there were players literally lined up, you know, to, to talk to Tom and say hi to Tom and whatever they were going to say to him. I will say this, though. I, I, I am kind of bummed Gronk didn't, didn't go back and not to play, but go back you know, and have a little bit of the comedic part of this thing because, you know, we would have laughed with him a little bit. Uh, but it would have been the same thing, him seeing former teammates. But it was just cool. You know, in a sport where you play for a team, not the, what he is doing and what he has done is so not the norm. To be able to call your, basically your shot on when you want to retire, like some people do, for the most part, a league retires you. Like people ask me, when did you retire? I said, well, the league retired me in 94 because nobody called. You know, that's, that's how it is for most people. This is an incredible career uh, for him and for guys that can be able to call their shots and to play this long in one spot and have this much success. It's just, it's unprecedented. It's, it's ridiculous. But I love seeing that bond because at the end of the day, when a player leaves the game, Mike, and they get asked, what do you miss most about the game? Nine times out of ten, that guy is going to say the locker room. They're going to miss what you had in the locker room. They're going to miss – you spend more time with those players than you do with your family, you know, w- with all that you do and the time that you spend together. So the bonds that are there, and sometimes they last a lifetime and sometimes they don't, but at least for that season, they're there, and, and it's an incredible moment. And how many times they got to hold up the trophy, and the whole goal is when there's all zeros on the clock at the end of the Super Bowl, you're holding up – you know, the Vince Lombardi trophy, you've hit your goal. What a feeling that has to be. And we were showing the video of all of the various people who came up and greeted Tom Brady. Everyone made an appearance except Luca Brazzi, I think, at the effort to pay homage to Tom Brady. And, you know, what what makes those bonds more important is the fact that every year in today's NFL – because it's changed dramatically. 93-94 was when it really kicked into free agency and the salary cap, and so many guys leave, and every year a team is its own one unit, and it changes so much from year to year. The fact that Brady and Belichick were together for 20 years in this era 
in this climate really is amazing. Let's hear some grumbling from Bill Belichick about Tom Brady's performance <laughs> last night in the Buccaneers' victory. Uh, you coached uh, Tom Brady in practice for 20 years, but this is the first time you went ahead uh, against him in a game. What was the experience like going? We, we, look, we went against Tom Brady every day, every day in practice defensively. So it's not like we've never seen Tom Brady before. Was the experience of coaching against him in a game any different? Yeah, they're a good football team. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I think that's all that goes without saying. Yeah, I mean, that is the reality. He dealt with him every year, but they were on the same team in all those practices. Yeah, they were working yeah. together to make themselves better, and I still wonder how much of that experience Bill Belichick filed away. Hey, you know, look, you mentioned Gronk. Gronk told Jay Glazer, and Glazer reported yesterday on the Fox pregame show that Gronk had four cracked ribs, a broken rib, and a punctured lung, and I think the the Buccaneers did a good job of playing the game, of making it look like he was going to be there. We are all kind of stunned when we found out that he's not going to be there he was listed as doubtful on Friday which I think is probably right. a little BS there was no way he was going to play in that game uh what a difference it would have made if Brady would have had Gronk in the red zone Brady talked about the red zone issues it's because he didn't have Gronk that that game could have been a blowout if Gronk had been there Mike Oh, listen, I, I completely agree. Those two together, obviously what they did in New England and the bond they have in, in Tampa Bay, that's what I talked about with Gronk when he retired and then came back. If he just came back and played in the red zone, it would be worth having him back because of how dangerous those two are in the red zone. So I, I, I agree. Listen, it, it, it depends on how long it takes. But at this point, for him to come back, at this point, I, I, I highly doubt they're, they're going to have an issue getting into the playoffs. This is about, especially with a guy who's a little older and is so specifically good, good on the field, but specifically good in the red zone area, just make sure he's right. You know, you don't want to bring anything back. You, now, cracked ribs can heal. Depends on if there's any other damage. Was there cartilage torn between the ribs? I mean, there's, there's a lot that can go on there. And if these are games that have to be played, you can throw a little magic juice in there and, and try and play if you want to. But there's no need to right now. So he's a guy, because he's older and we know what his, his worth is, to just make sure he's right. They have plenty of other talent, plenty of other talent on that team. They're going to make the playoffs. Just, again, the end goal. We, have to, we all had this game marked. I get it, you know, as, you know, in the first quarter of the season – but for these players, it's an end game. It's an end goal. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's nothing short of obviously going back-to-back -back and winning a Super Bowl again. And to do that, they certainly could use the services of Gronk. So no matter how long it takes, it doesn't matter. Just make sure he's ready to go by the end of the season. Strange as it seems, the season will indeed continue after last night. I know it felt like yeah. <laughs> the Super Bowl vibe, but all. the Buccaneers get the Dolphins on Sunday. And we don't know how long Gronk will be out. And you mentioned the magic juice. Just hopefully Dr. Needle will be more careful than he was when he visited Tyrod Taylor last year. But Gronk's yep. already had the punctured lung. It's not like the needle can, puncture, can repuncture it. It's already been punctured. Right. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be out for a while, though. I'm surprised they didn't put him on injured reserve. Because under the current rules, you... You could put him on injury reserve on Saturday, and he still only right. has to miss three games, and then he can come right. back at any time. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of game they're playing here, but we've seen the Bucks play plenty of games over the past couple of years since they've gotten Tom Brady from tampering with him openly, from hiding his MCL tear last year, never putting it on the injury report, to the gamesmanship that we saw. Bill Belichick getting a little taste of his own medicine, frankly, from the <laughs> Buccaneers in the days leading up to the game. You talked eloquently about the relationships, and we let 
uh, the the tape play of Belichick talking about Brady's performance. Let's hear Brady on the relationship with Bill Belichick. Tom, Bill is just in the locker room. Can you discuss your 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 interactions with Bill on the field and I guess in the locker room after the game? Yeah, um, I mean all those are personal. So we've had a personal relationship and. Um, you know, for 20 plus years. So he drafted me here and I've had a lot of personal conversations that should remain that way and they're very private. And I would say so much is made of, of our relationship. And, um, you know, as I said earlier this week, you know, from a player standpoint, you just expect the coach to give you everything he's got. And as a, I'm sure as a player, that's what he was hoping for me. But um, nothing's really accurate that I ever see. It's all kind of... Uh, you know, definitely doesn't come from my personal feelings or beliefs. And I have a lot of respect for him as a coach and obviously a lot of respect for this organization and, um, you know, all the different people here that try to make it successful. It was almost comical how that began. Hey, hey, Tom, will you talk about uh, your communications with Bill? Yeah, yeah. it's personal. Yeah, I, <laughs> sure, I'll talk about it. I'm not saying anything about it. Uh, and, hey, hey. <laughs> You know, the gamesmanship needs to continue between these two guys. We don't know. There's no guarantee it's the last time we're ever going to see Brady versus Belichick. The formula that they've put in place for that 17th game could cause the Buccaneers and the Patriots to cross paths sooner than four years from now. That's a new twist to the NFL. We're seeing that this year where teams that ordinarily would play every four years are getting together again. Seahawks and Steelers in a few weeks are coming up on Sunday Night Football, even though they played two years ago and otherwise wouldn't have played for two more years. So that could happen. Or Brady could end up on another team. Or who knows? Maybe yeah. they end up in a Super Bowl next year. Probably not this year. But, but there's this... Even though we all wanted some closure there's no guarantee it's over they could face off again at some point the way Brady's going Mike and and even if they face off again Mike we're not getting closure and I and I'm fine with that again we are in an era of if you don't talk about it publicly it didn't happen if you don't tweet about it it didn't happen if it isn't on your insta it didn't happen Things happen behind that. I'm fine with, with not knowing what their conversation was. And I don't know what was. Maybe they don't like each other. Maybe they do. Maybe it's just a business respect. Well, I'm sure at the very least, it's a business respect for one another, for what they've accomplished. But I don't, I don't need to hear it. We're not, we're not owed this. You know, in the media or as fans, we're not owed that. Just be, you know, you pay your ticket to watch the games or we're allowed to cover teams. We're not owed their private conversation. Now, would we like to hear it? Sure, we would like to hear it. But what amazes me most in an era where if a player wants to empty his chest, he can do it on Twitter or any kind of a social media or on a podcast or whatever. And God knows that we have a a number of players that do it. We have two people in the, the most... Um, most respected or most popular business in the country to people who don't do it that way. And it happens to be Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, two of the guys we would want to be like the people of this era and air everything out, and they won't do it. 
and they never will do it, even though Tom, we know, has opened up a little more going to Tampa Bay. I am fine with this. Uh, and again, I'm not going to sit there and try and read in to say, well, if they're staying in generalities, that means they're not getting specific, so maybe they don't really like each other. I don't know. That's between them. I am a go-talk-face-to-face-with-a-guy type of guy. Go in his office, go, go wherever, and talk face-to-face. The world doesn't need to hear it, even though we would love to be talking about it today, and it would help out all shows if they did. It's not going to happen with these two, and I have zero problem with that. Well, Bill Belichick has helped us out a little bit because when he was asked last night about not going for the fourth and three, kicking the field goal instead, did you give any thought to fourth and three? He said not really. He was on the Greg Hill Show on WEEI this morning, Mike. And according to Mike Reese of ESPN.com, Belichick was asked about the decision to kick the 56-yarder. He said he was thinking we were going to make it. Within a couple of inches, Nick's a really consistent kicker. He's been hitting the ball well. He hit that one well, just missed by a couple of inches. So maybe it is as simple as that. Let's go ahead and kick it. We think we have a better chance of making the 56-yard field goal over converting the fourth and three. It really is amazing, though. Thinking about the era we grew up in and they kicked straight on and a 40-yard field goal was a big deal. The idea that you would take 50 game in the balance that you would think a 56 yard field goal gives you a better chance of converting fourth and three. The eight year old version of me would be saying, what in the hell are you talking about? 56 yards. I mean, once upon a time, that was a long kick. And I was like, yeah, 56 yarder. He's got a good leg. He can make it. 56 yards in the rain, by the way, in the rain. So, I mean, it wasn't even great weather to do it. That's why it makes me, when, when was it? Prater kicked the, uh, I think the 64-yarder in 2013, I believe it was. So in 2021, we get the 66 yards. How soon before that's broken? I mean, Mike, you, we're getting, we're going to get a 70-yard field goal at some point out of one of these kickers. So yeah, the the, the 50 yarders now are just yeah, okay, send them out. Our guy can make 50-yard kicks, 50 plus. Again, this would have, I believe, equaled his career high in the rain. But it sounds like Bill, or at least that's what Bill is telling us, had really no qualms about doing it, whether there was more thought process or not. Again, I don't know, and we'll never know because it's Bill. But, you know, as you just reported that that he had said on the show, listen, I didn't really think about going for fourth and three. We thought our guy could make the kick. So that's what Bill does. And we all know Bill thinks about his decisions. If we get to the point where not only one guy makes a 70-yarder, but multiple guys develop the reputation that they have the leg and we saw Matt Prater try a 68 yarder last week didn't work out well for the Cardinals because it resulted in a 109 yard return the other way I'm gonna need to go back and do some research Mike I have to refresh my memory from the classic Disney movie Gus I don't know what Gus's range was you know Gus the donkey but we're getting to the (laughs) point We're getting to the point where some of these kickers have range close to what Gus could do with the mere shout of the word Oyich. Yeah, I, I listen. I'm with you, and, and think about think about what it could do to the game, Mike. I mean, let let you, you spin that forward a little bit. 
If you get to the, what, the 45-yard line of, of the opposing team, you're looking at, what, a 62-yarder? So you can get, if you get to the 50-yarder, you're looking at a 68-yarder. So you don't have to go as far if you need a game-winning or game-tying field goal. So does that change strategy earlier in the game? That's what, that's what I'm starting to think about. Those forward thinkers that said, okay, field goals are getting longer. Three points is getting, quote-unquote, easier if guys can make them from a longer distance. Do we need to try and get up by four? Do we go for two points more on a touchdown if the other team doesn't to be up eight to seven? That way a field goal at some point puts us up by four, not three. So a long field goal can't tie the game. I don't know. I mean, I'm just starting to think about it. There's a There's a hell of a lot of people a lot smarter than me to, to think about what are the ramifications when you don't have to go as far to set up a field goal anymore of what it does to your strategy earlier in the game. And, and think about how different it would be if they hadn't decided back in the early 70s that for safety reasons it would be advisable to move the giant metal pole out of the field yeah. of play and put the goalpost at the back of the end zone. I remember what a big deal that was. You're adding 10 yards to every kick. Well, yeah, you got guys running into metal poles from time to time because they are out in the field of play. So uh, all, all, all the recent efforts – to enhance health and safety, the original health and safety measure was taking the giant metal pole out of the field of play, Mike. Yeah, yes, it, it, it was. Yes, it was because, yeah, people running into it, it's not going to be good. It'll make a low light, but unfortunately it can be dangerous. But, you know, I just start to think about it more and more. Think about getting the ball if you start on the 25-yard line. You literally will only have to go 25 yards when guys are, are, are booting it that long, 25 to 30 yards to be in field goal range where it used to be, oh, man, we're going to have to go 50 yards to get a, you know, what's a makeable field goal where we feel comfortable about it. It, it could literally cut that in half. So, it, uh, it, and it's going to happen. I mean, do you, th I think it's going to happen. I think we'll get a 70-yarder. Do you, you think we will? Oh, I think we will. I think it's just a matter of the right circumstance the right occasion, yep. the right opportunity, and uh, the right altitude maybe. Justin Tucker was was yeah. reportedly saying to his long snapper he'd like to break the record again when the Ravens played yesterday in Denver, but the planets didn't line up for him right. to get that opportunity. Speaking of records, Tom Brady broke a record last night, an all-time record, <laughs> the passing yardage mark. That came early in the game. It was kind of an awkward moment because – they moved yeah. the ball, and the record wasn't broken. Then it was broken, and neither Brady nor the Patriots wanted to stop the game and have the laminated sheet of white paper and the white gloves from David Baker and all of that stuff. Now, if they had done it in Tampa Bay, it would have been different, but it just would have made a situation that was already inherently awkward a little more so to have a ceremony during the game. But he, he sets the all-time passing yardage record surpassing Drew Brees and the, the way Brady's going and you look at some of the others out there and I, it's you know unless Mahomes plays into his 40s Brady's going to hold this thing for a very long time Mike because he's not done Drew Brees broke it at 71 and took it another 9,000 who knows how far Tom Brady's going to break it but let's hear from Brady on on surpassing the Drew Brees record Winning means more to you, but being able to 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 get the NFL passing record, you know, yep. what did that mean for you tonight? I just think it's an amazing um, statistic, and that so many people can share in it with me. So, quarterback doesn't throw and catch; quarterback can just throw it, and it's uh, yards 
uh, passing yards have to be caught. So I just hope that everybody who caught passes for me over the years uh, just had a little smile on their face tonight, just knowing that they contributed to you know, a very cool record. And there's some people that have kind of preceded it by name. You know, Drew Brees, who I look up to, is a hell of a guy. Great player, Peyton Manning, who's one of my all-time favorites. Brett Favre, Dan Marino. Um, but obviously, you know, my teammates who caught all these passes over the years uh, mean an awful lot to me. Hey, Mike, I, I like the, the – I assume it was unintentional, but the reference – to the notorious comment from his wife after Super Bowl 46, my husband cannot yeah. throw it yes. and catch it at the same time. I, I just wonder if that idea is still rattling around in his brain 10 years later and it just blurted out in that moment. Yeah, not, not one of the greatest comments you want to hear from a, a spouse <laughs> uh, uh, after a game. That, that's, that, that's, that, that was a bit cringeworthy, uh, that moment, no doubt about it. But, you know, going back to what you, you said, you're right. Forget now. And, and and it was awkward, but they didn't want the ceremony there. And it was awkward. Just like you said, if you didn't if people didn't see it, they marked the ball and it like tied the record and then they spotted the ball a yard past it and he got the record. I mean, before Alan Chris could even really get to the next play, it was like as they were getting to it, they're like, Oh yeah, I broke a record. It seemed so so herky jerky and but we knew it was gonna happen anyway. And you're right, it isn't not where it is now, it's where does it end up. And everybody will point to Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes is going to be the guy that gets to this number the quickest and then that number the quickest and then that number the quickest. And we know we're in a passing era. So the possibility of this getting broken is certainly there, but you're going to have to have the longevity, which all those guys he listed, Breeze and Peyton Manning and Brett Favre, they did. That goes without saying. If you're going to break any all-time record of something uh, like this, then, then you have to play a long time to do it. So that really goes without saying, can those guys play that long? The era of ball we're in says that somebody, if they play long enough, will break that because we are in a throwing era. And, you know, there's one name out there to keep an eye on that I had overlooked until I took a list, uh, uh, I took a gander at the list of the, the current leaders. He was born in Tampa, where Tom Brady now plays. He currently plays for the Rams. His name is Matthew Stafford. He's 33. He's 14th yes. with 46,331. He stays with McVay for a while. He's going to rocket up that list, and maybe he's going to have a chance, depending upon how far Tom Brady stretches that rubber band. And speaking of Matthew Stafford. His team was undefeated. The Cardinals were undefeated. Two teams enter. One team leaves. There's one undefeated <laughs> team left in the NFC. We'll talk about that Rams-Cardinals game when PFT Live continues right after this. I thought both um, fronts of ours really played physical and, and set the tone. Um, defensive line, we knew we had to get in, in his face. He's such a great player Stafford and try to disrupt the timing um, they still you know had some big time plays but I thought we did just enough to create some turnovers and, and really turn the tide and then our offensive line you know Max Garcia stepping in Josh Jones sliding the tackle which he hadn't played much uh, to rush for over 200 yards in an NFL game that's a big big time accomplishment Cliff Kingsbury on the victory that propelled the Cardinals to 4-0 if anyone out there bet, and I assume the prop bets are available somewhere, that the Cardinals would be the last yeah. unbeaten team in the NFC, they made a hell of a lot of money yesterday, Mike. I didn't see it coming. I thought the Rams, 
who had beaten the Cardinals eight straight times, primarily with Jared Goff at quarterback. Then they upgrade to Matthew Stafford. I'm thinking, uh uh-oh, this is not going to go well for the Cardinals. The Rams have their number. The Rams had looked much better than the Cardinals so far this year. Cardinals should have lost to the Vikings, could have lost to the Jaguars. The Rams, meanwhile, when we last saw them, were dismantling the Buccaneers. I thought this would be 37-20 the other way. Cardinals instead, uh, they, they showed us they belong. They showed us they're for real, and I think they gave the Rams something they did not expect. So I, I'd said this, in I believe, in week one or even before the season, that a place to improve for Arizona, they were top 10 in, in running. Uh, but I think they were in the low 20s in passing. They averaged about 244 yards a game last year. But, again, they were top 10 in running, and a big part of that certainly was was Kyler Murray. Well, they're running the ball well again this year and certainly ranked up there, which, which they should be. But I said for them to take the next step, Kyler Murray in that passing game is going to have to get better. They went from 244 yards last year to right now this year they're averaging 304 a game. They're fourth in the league in passing. So he is, whether and, and, and I don't mean just running out of the pocket and passing, it's in the pocket and passing as well, because ultimately you have to be able to do that, whether it's in the pocket, whether it's a little half roll, or whether it's completely getting out of the pocket. You have to be able to stand in the pocket and make those throws. And he's doing that even better this year. Their defense is a good defense that can make some plays at, at times, but their offense, to go along with the numbers I just gave you, the most important one, how many points are you scoring? Well, they lead the NFL at 35 points a game. So the passing game is improved. They're leading in scoring right now. So everything put together, I guess we shouldn't. We are a little shocked that they did. I'm, I'm amazed how much they have improved in the passing game. And that's kudos to Kyler Murray, without a doubt. Cliff Kingsbury, without question. Him getting the protection he needs. The running game working as well. But they had the running game last year as well. So... Kyler Murray and the progression made by quarterbacks when they start in the league to where they get in their first couple of years of how much more calmer they are, uh, how their completion percentage improves. That's always something to keep an eye on. And Kyler Murray has certainly done that with this offense. Balance on offense makes you unpredictable, keeps the defense on its heels, makes it harder for the defense to to lean one way or the other before the snap to know what's coming. And when you throw in that ability – for Kyler Murray to run when he needs to, not just when he wants to. Don't overdo it. Use right. it strategically and surgically. You got to scramble. You got to go. You see an opening. You run for a first down on third and sixteen. Th- th- that's an element that no one else really has the way that the Cardinals currently have it. Because once he decides to go, he's a blur. And the key is going to continue to be keep him healthy. You keep Kyler Murray healthy. You keep him from taking the big hits. You keep him playing at a high level. And the Cardinals are going to be tough to deal with. I never would have dreamed that they would be the last unbeaten team in the NFC and possibly the last in the NFL if the Raiders lose to the Chargers tonight. And uh, tonight. I, I, I kind of like it. You know, on one hand, Mike, I like it when there's that that team that keeps the 72 Dolphins nervous deep into November or December. But uh, parody, this is Pete Rozelle's vision where there, there really isn't right now a team that is flat-out dominant, except the Buffalo Bills. We'll be talking about them coming up. But the Cardinals, just because they won that game, I mean, Kyler Murray said it himself, they need to keep going. They got the 49ers this week. That 4-0 can become 4-1 quickly. So they're one of those teams, again, that, that and I've talked about this before, that this is a scoring points era. 
And, and that's what they're doing. So you have to – it's a keep-up league. You know, you have to when, – when we say outscore the opponent, I know people think, well, that sounds stupid. Of course you need to do. And I keep saying, no, outscore usually in the 30s, high 20s or 30s or more. That's what you have to be able to do. And Arizona can do that without question. These are the teams that are going to win. Now, again, you've got to count on your defense, some like Tampa Bay did last year, uh, certainly throughout the year, and then later in the playoffs, the defense really uh, did a number. But you have, you have to score, and, and they can. They, they can put points on the board. And, but I, I'm just happy to see what Kyler Murray's doing. You know, you, when you say we weren't sure, you know, Kyler could do this with the rain, well, there's, or, or who else can do that? There's two guys to me. There's Kyler Murray and there's Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. These guys, we know they can run, and we've never seen a running quarterback last really long in the league, but these two guys, now they haven't been in the league for a decade, but they're certainly trending to defy that as long, you know, they don't take that one hit. And they're both passing the ball extremely well as well. Uh, so, I mean, these are two guys, and this is where the NFL is going. You're seeing more and more players come in that are incredible athletes as well who can spin the ball really well and make plays out of the pocket, which makes them even more dangerous. But, yeah, Arizona seems to be taking that next step by leaps and bounds. The difference in my mind, Mike, between Murray and Jackson is that Murray is able to kind of zip around without taking the contact. Jackson, because of his size, he embraces it. And and he'll he'll put a shoulder down. He'll put a head down. He'll do what he has to do to blast through guys. And he's almost got that Cam Newton early in his career indestructible vibe. The problem is, after five six years, it's hard to stay indestructible. If Murray is a guy that you just never can really get a clean hit on, he's the one who's more likely to sustain it. Oh, I completely agree with that. And. What else, when, you, when you're a successful runner, sometimes you get overconfident as a runner. I think one of the greatest lines you can give to a quarterback, or really anybody, but mostly a quarterback when they're running, is know when the journey's over. You know, and get the hell down. You know, save it for another play. But when you have guys like Murray and like Lamar, who can be unbelievably dangerous with their running, they don't have that thought process, or not as much as other guys who are just going to slide and get down because they feel they can beat that next guy. And quite honestly, a lot of times they can. They, those two are incredible, and their passing is amazing. I, I had forgot to mention last week, and it's my bad, you know, with Lamar and the throwing, the drops that he had that he, you know, there was a couple in this past game with Denver, but at least he had, you know, Hollywood Brown hang on to the ball a little bit, made a phenomenal catch in one. But, you know, these guys are passing the ball well as well and dangerous threats running the ball. So just wondering where the limits are for these guys. Another quarterback who can run it well when he needs to but doesn't do it all that often is Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. And the Cowboys got their third straight win yesterday, sending the Panthers to 3-1. and one. Here's Dak Prescott after the 36-28 to 28 home victory over Carolina. We want to be the best, um, and we want to win, and we want to we want to win late in the year, and we want to go play in the last game uh, out in California. And so we got to continue to build on this culture, week in and week out. Um, no matter what situation we are in the game, we've got to lock arms and uh, just just trust our brotherhood and everything, and all the commitment we've have, had up to this point, and uh, continue to grow and continue to get better. And they've been phenomenal. Look, they gave the Buccaneers everything they could handle right out of the gates, and they have proven since then that it was not a fluke, and they have looked clearly better than everyone they've played, especially last Monday night, different class than the Philadelphia Eagles. And they they now take on a Panthers team that was very hot, starting to get hyped, 
great defense. Well, we talk about balance on offense. The Cowboys have found it the last three games, and uh, they're running the ball incredibly well. Dak Prescott's numbers, I looked at them. I said this last night in something we were doing uh, for, for digital well, 14 for 22, 188 yards, and I thought, well, that's a pretty good first half. What do you do in the second half? No, that was his. That was it. From 58 passes week one to 22 in week four, he had four touchdowns on those 22 attempts and 14 completions. But that, that's what you want. You want that balance. You want to be able to run it. You want to be able to throw it. Like I said earlier, you want the defense to never really know what's coming. That's what makes it all as effective as it can be. Yeah, they didn't have to throw that much. They ran it 34 times. Listen, first thing I'm going to say is I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, well, they're they're killing this Carolina defense, which came in to the game as a top defense. Well, they hadn't played anybody, so they're really not that good. No, no, no. This Carolina defense is a really good defense. Maybe not the numbers showing that they were that good because of who they played, but it is a really, really, really good defense. The Dallas Cowboys just have exactly what you said and exactly what every offense wants is balance. When you can listen, everybody wants to offensive linemen want to run the ball. They want to run it 34 times and only have their quarterback throw it, uh, you know, 22 times. They would love that. They love going forward. And again, after getting Zach Martin back, Zach and Tyron Smith, those are the two stars of that line. They have been running like crazy, 245 yards yesterday. But then that helps so much with the passing game and the receivers they have. All that being said, Mike, the biggest, the biggest difference in change for this team has been their defense, which it almost couldn't help it because they were so bad last year, but they are better. You know, Micah Parsons playing either linebacker, DN. you got guys that can make plays now. So it's not the best defense in the league, but it's a defense that's playing a hell of a lot better than they were last year to complement a very balanced offense. Yeah, Parsons had another sack yesterday. And, you know, on that offensive side, the, the, Amari Cooper said at one point this week, because he was only targeted a handful of times in the Monday night win over the Eagles, well, I can't really complain about that. That would be selfish. You know, as long as you're winning, you're not going to hear right. any frustration from Amari Cooper or C.D. Lamb or anyone else. C.D. Lamb had two catches yesterday for 13 yards. Cooper only had three. Now it's 69 yards and a touchdown, and 69 yards led the team. But if they really are going to commit to balance, you've got a high-powered group of pass catchers that you're going to have to keep from getting frustrated because pass catchers want to catch passes. And it helps to have a good leader in Dak Prescott who will keep them placated and, and get everyone to buy into the idea that we don't care about the numbers. We care about winning games, and they've got a good formula right now. And as long as they keep winning, it would be very difficult for Cooper or Lamb or anyone else to complain. They're not getting the ball as much as they'd like to see it. Boy, I hope I don't hear that. I mean, you want to hear about the ultimate of selfishness. You know, it's not like we haven't heard that, you know, out of players in the past, even when things are going well. But, boy, that, that, that's one where, yeah, I, I hope you don't hear that. And you hope it, A player may think that privately. They may be thinking, you know, at home, boy, I'd like to catch more balls and have better stats because that certainly can lead, you know, to bigger things for you. But to, I, ho- I, I would agree. I would hope they'd never say that publicly because it should be about team, even though there are individual stats out there. You're winning right now. Things are going well. So the last thing you need is any kind of a grumbling that, yeah, we're winning, but, you know, I want the ball more. Man, I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a way to have yourself looked at with a, with a kind of a strange eye in the locker room, you do something like that. Well, and you just wonder, 
even if a guy doesn't come out and say it, is he carrying himself a little bit differently? Is there something Body there? Like, you know, you can tell when something's bothering someone, even if they never mm-hmm. come out and say it. Maybe a little more impatient. Just, just not, you know, just not as engaged as maybe they could otherwise be because they feel like they don't have the kind of a role that they thought they should have. That's something that needs to be managed. It's one of the byproducts of winning with balance, especially when you consider, Mike, the numbers that Cooper and Lamb had week one when they threw the ball 58 times. You have that first game of the season. You start looking at it. You know, we, we did our projections, hey, based on week one, look at look at, and, and then all of a sudden it goes the other way. And we know how pass catchers are. That's their moment. They, they're they there to catch passes. That's what they want to do. They don't want to block. They don't want to run routes and be decoys. They want the ball. They want to show what they can do. It's just, it's 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 look, it's a good problem to have. I think Dak Prescott's the right leader to keep it under control. But it is something to watch because you got some guys who are getting paid a lot of money or who want to be paid a lot of money. And the way to justify your salary or earn your salary is to go out there and catch passes. Uh, that that would you know if, if if players need to be placated by that you know it's it's a bit of a shame but you're right I, I know we are on that era but I mean they're going to be it's not like listen we got a lot of games left to go and I have a feeling the Cowboys are going to have to throw the ball in some of these games uh, as well those guys they've gotten plays I would just go up to them and say you know what guys. This isn't an Army and Navy offense, okay? We're not running the triple option where you're out there blocking all the time, all right? You're going to get the ball. I mean, but like anything else, you get the ball five times, you want it seven times. You get the ball seven times, you want it nine times. You get it ten times, you're like, oh, I could have had 12 catches. I get it. But as long as you keep it in proper perspective and understand it's the team that comes first and they're winning. Now they're 3-1. and one. They've got a couple of late afternoon games coming up. The Giants come to Dallas, and then the Cowboys go to New England before their bye week. So, uh, hey, they're moving in the right direction. They're better than I thought they were going to be. The defense is better than it was last year. It couldn't have been much worse. Dak Prescott has shown that he is back. And, And this week coming up, hey, it was week five last year, Giants at Cowboys when he suffered that broken ankle. It's week five this year, Giants at Cowboys in a big spot. And the Giants got their win yesterday and they've been close they've been knocking on the door all of a sudden that's a that's a more interesting game than maybe we thought it would have been Giants Cowboys had lost some shine in recent years I think it's starting to get the shine back a little bit Mike well listen I hope so because we all love those rivalries especially what was considered that black and blue division uh certainly in the years I was playing there we'd play the Giants we'd play Washington you know and just how hard those and certainly Dallas when I was in Philly how hard those games were uh you know and how bruising that they were and how competitive that they were I I know the Giants got their first win but I mean we'll see how competitive this one is if they can bring that back because Dallas is a much better team than the Giants Dallas Dallas could blow this team out so I don't know if we'll get that what we've seen in the pass out of these two teams maybe we will who knows uh Daniel Jones played well as you mentioned the Giants in in getting their first win but they still have a ways to go to reach where Dallas is right now let's hope you always hope for a competitive game when you're watching but I'm not sure we'll get it you know one quick memory I just had too back to the days of pancakes and cigarettes the 70s (laughs) the big games in the late afternoon were always those NFC East games with Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire and the guys playing on the green cement with the lights on whether it was Eagles Cowboys Cowboys Giants Washington Eagles throw the Cardinals in there too because they were part of that division but uh, yeah those were some special games 
And and you always knew when you heard Pat Summerall's voice, you always knew it was a big deal. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. got hurt sometime in the first half you know he, he said he got stepped on not, not sure which play uh, but he played for a while with it um, we didn't think it was you know he, he didn't think it was that bad at the time and then about a minute before halftime ended and trying to get it going he just couldn't push off it so right then to halftime uh, we realized he couldn't go it happened in the first series uh, I don't know I don't know exactly what happened tweak the calf uh, it hurt initially I, I thought I could keep trying Keep trying to go and just kept getting worse and worse traveling down to the Achilles a little bit but uh we'll get more information tomorrow with the MRI and everything hopefully you know hope for the best right now yeah it, it sucked I mean just in between series I could feel it tightening up and everything thought I could gut it out uh, I tried to for the first half but yeah, it's just tough man I don't know been in this situation too many times and it's getting real old you know so it's just one of those things that uh part of the business though It was the surprise of the day when the 49ers came out for the second half against the Seahawks yesterday, Mike. It was Trey Lance. And the first thought was that Jimmy G had gotten benched because the 49ers weren't great offensively in the first half. And then the 49ers announced that there was a calf injury. That Garoppolo's return was questionable, but it never seemed like much of a question. They weren't working on him. He was just sitting there on the bench with his baseball cap on. He wasn't coming back in that game. So... They got a chance to see what Trey Lance can do. He had two touchdowns, nine for 18, 157 yards. But, you know, I felt like, Mike, that the preseason, Kyle Shanahan was dabbling with the idea, and more than dabbling, he seemed to be serious about a two-quarterback system. After week one, he really pulled back from that, and I think he decided, you know what, locker room's still behind Jimmy G. I got to ride with Jimmy G. Trey Lance isn't ready. So, So, hey, we've seen Jimmy G get injured in the past. We'll just keep going with Jimmy until he gets injured. And then we'll go with Trey. And that's apparently what they're going to have to do for at least a game. They got the Cardinals this weekend. They got a bye coming up, I think, after that. Uh, so uh, get get the kid ready, and let's see if they made the right decision giving up all those draft picks to go get him. 
Well, and, and, and I agree with Kyle Shanahan. I had to play Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I've spoken about this a ton before the season even started. This, this is a playoff team, and I'm, I'm not starting my playoff team with a rookie quarterback when I have a veteran who, who's got a heck of a winning record. Not a great quarterback. I get it. I, I understand that he's basically a placeholder until Trey Lance, they feel, is going to be ready, but a guy I still would have started. Unfortunately, also a guy that has you know the reputation now of getting nicked and he got nicked again. So here's the issue, Mike. You have the you just mentioned they have the Cardinals. Understand when you're getting ready for a team, the starter gets all the reps. the The game plan can be built around that that starter is in with the coordinator and with the coaches. What do I like doing best? You know, it kind of fits that person. So what's the decision here? How bad is Jimmy G hurt? How do you go through practice? Is it Jimmy G day-to-day, but he's going to be the starter? So Trey is doing backup things. It's still built around what Jimmy can do because with Trey, you can obviously open it up a little more if you feel comfortable opening things up more with Trey. So that, that to me, is the thing going forward, especially this week, because you're playing the last undefeated team in the NFC and the Cardinals who are putting a lot of points on the board. Who's going to get the reps? How are you going to build that game plan with these two different quarterbacks, if, especially if you don't know where you are with that calf and Garoppolo at this point? And obviously they know way more than we do getting the results of the MRI and what you can possibly do this week. And I think Garoppolo also said, we didn't play it, but he made a comment along the lines of hopefully it's only a week or two or something like that that he'll miss, which would imply it is going to be Lance this week. And then it gets interesting because, Mike, this is an opportunity for Lance to win over that locker room. You hit the nail on the head. The idea that you've got a Super Bowl-ready team, these guys aren't aren't going to embrace starting from scratch at quarterback. We just went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago. This is our guy until we change our minds you're not going to change our mind Kyle Shanahan or anyone else in the front office will change our minds this is the opportunity for Lance to come in and do the things that could cause the locker room to say hey you know what coming out of the bye we got a whole let's assume no Jimmy this week and then after that it's TBD this is Lance's opportunity to prove against the last unbeaten team in the conference that he can get it done and if he can get it done then you got the bye week you got the Colts and the Bears on the back end couple of potential confidence builder games before your rematch with the Cardinals Uh, it's you know this this if Lance steps up this could be his opportunity to supplant Jimmy G just like Colin Kaepernick once did when Alex Smith missed a game or two with a concussion this is the chance for the young guy to step up and show what he can do Listen, we all know Trey Lance is eventually going to be that guy. We all know that Justin Fields is eventually going to be that guy, the guys who, who didn't start. It's just a matter of when and what circumstance puts him in there. We've seen Justin Fields play now a couple of times because Dalton has been out, and Fields certainly looked better in this last game than he did in the game before. And the Bears get a win. Now, they're, they're certainly not – when you're sitting there talk about playoff teams, you don't talk about them as highly as you do of San Francisco of where they are. The best thing, Mike, that could happen for San Francisco, if Jimmy G is going to be kind of a questionable thing all week, is to have ha, know that he's out now. And by you just said him saying a week or two, if you know that, that means right now, starting today, Trey Lance gets everything. Trey Lance is in on the game plan. Trey Lance gets every rep. Trey Lance gets gets uh, talked to with the coaches in film sessions all the time. Let it be all Trey Lance 
all the time for this start. If he is going to play this week and start, that's the best thing that could happen is we're not going, well, Jimmy's day-to-day. We're not sure. and They're, they're going back and forth in practice on who's going to play. If it's going to be that way and Jimmy's going to be out, uh, man, get, get, get Trey everything right from the start of today. The other quarterback who was injured on Sunday, Teddy Bridgewater, took a hit late in the first half, less than a minute to play, suffered a concussion. Drew Locke came in and finished the game, and we know the drill by now. It's been over 10 years. The concussion, once it's diagnosed, the player doesn't return until he's had the appropriate medical clearances, both his own team doctors and an independent, unaffiliated neurologist who has to decide that it's it's okay for the player to return. Uh, that the, the, there were some Broncos beat writers that weren't happy with that hit. Looked a little helmet to helmet, maybe. We've seen far less get flagged this year, including one yesterday by Chase Young on Matt Ryan. That I still don't know how in the hell that was roughing the passer. So it could have been, it could have been called, but it, but it doesn't matter. You still have lost Teddy Bridgewater to a concussion. And you know, Mike, when they first put in those protocols, there was almost a loose presumption that you would miss a game. We see guys come back all the time one week later now after suffering a concussion. So we just have to wait and see what kind of symptoms he has. When is he cleared? And will he be good to go next week? But uh, Drew Locke had his chance to, to, to you know, turn some heads. And he, he, he wasn't good enough that people are going to be clamoring for Drew Locke in Denver this week. No, no, they're not. And, and listen, I, I get it with the hits to the head. I, I've spoken a lot about that, that Chase Young was – I don't know what the hell was going on with that one. This one, I, I, I honestly did not think it was a bad hit. What, what, what I took away from that hit is I love the moxie, in all honesty, of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater knew he was going to get hit. And, and what made that hit even, even harder on him was the fact that he had to step into that throw. I mean, he stepped right hard into that throw. He knew where he, where he was going to get hit. He knew what was going to happen. Uh, and, and he's a guy that I like at least stepping into throws and or I've seen him do that in the past and take hits, step into throws. Uh, he'll stay in the pocket and he'll take the hits there. Uh, but I, I, I wasn't looking too, too much at that hit to say I, I wanted to see a flag. I know it's been called for a lot less. Uh, I get it. But, uh, you know. Uh, it, 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 was a, it was a tough one there, but you're right. Drew Locke, maybe like Trey Lance, Drew Locke was the starter last year, but now you get the opportunity. Everybody's one play away uh, from having their chance to get on the field. So, you know, we'll see if Drew Locke can find his way to get back on the field again. I thought real quick, interesting in that game, did you have a problem with the Baltimore Ravens after at the end of that game trying to get those extra three yards to get 100 yards rushing for the 43rd consecutive game. For people that don't know, there were three seconds left in the game, and Baltimore had 97 yards rushing. And they were trying for their 43rd straight 100-yard rushing game, which would have tied, I think, the 74-77 to Pittsburgh Steelers as far as consecutive 100-yard games. They could have taken a knee and won the game. It would have been over. But Lamar takes a snap, and he runs left like a quarterback power sweep left and gains five yards. I personally had zero problem with it. Zero problem. Problem knowing you had that consecutive streak going. It's been decades ago when it happened, and for them to keep it going. And if if I didn't hear anybody from Denver at least initially say they had a problem, because my my answer would have been then stop them. You know, don't let them get the three yards if that's what they're trying to do. But I had no issue with Baltimore trying to do that. Forty-three straight games with one hundred or more rushing yards. That ties a record that was set in the seventy-four to seventy-seven time frame 
with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, John Harbaugh said after the game it was 100% his call, and it's also a record. Apparently, I was looking at an article on ESPN.com that the, the first time in a long time, if not ever, that a team winning by 10 or more points with less than five seconds to play decided to actually gain yardage or try to gain yardage because usually you're taking a knee and you're getting off the field. My only problem would have been with it is if you get Lamar Jackson injured, then you have incurred an injury in a meaningless setting. And, hey, the the Baltimore Ravens now can have their preseason winning streak non-trophy here, their regular season – 100 yards or more rushing trophy there. That's neither of those trophies matter though. That's the problem I have with it. And if you're putting your quarterback at risk, yeah, hey, it didn't he didn't get injured, but if he had, oh my god, John Harbaugh would add hell to pay, Mike. You know that that you're 100% right and it's something I'll be honest, maybe this is the former player in me never even thought about. That's why I would imagine if you pulled every one of those offensive players, say, hey, we can run and try and get three yards here or we can take a knee and try not to get anybody hurt. I I say every one of them would have said, let's get three more yards. I mean, what history that is to do it. Now, again, you're right, running Lamar Jackson with the ball. Maybe you would have been better off handing it off and just keeping him in the backfield, not getting hit. So maybe that was an interesting call. Also, maybe, remember, they ran it to the short side. They ran it left. Maybe maybe Harbaugh said, listen, if it's not there, if they got a lot of players there, just run out of bounds and be done. If we don't get it, we don't get it. I don't know what the conversation was, but I get what you're saying. But I, I, I can almost guarantee every player on that team wanted to, get, wanted to keep that streak going. And they'll have a chance to claim the all-time record if they can gain 100 or more rushing yards this week. Let's take a break. When we return, it's time for Week 4 Superlatives. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.